yourself before you introduce other random people. Happy recording! Stop sniffing at that. It's just essential oil. Don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> it's just essential oil. Don't do drugs. Yeah, kids. I'm not sniffing anything illegal. Title of this episode. <laughs> Have you ever got those tissues that you can um, use as tissues, but they also smell like Albus oil? No, I, I couldn't even tell you what Albus oil is. That's, that's that shit your parents drop on your pillow when you're a kid, when you've got cold. Oh, with the little capsules. We never used them. We always had Vaseline. Ugh. Like shitloads of Vaseline. Not Vaseline. Vaseline? Vas- <laughs> not Vaseline. Um, what's it called? Begins with a V. Vapor rub. Oh, yeah. Well, they're like okay. vape- They're like vapor rub tissues. Fucking love vapor Look at you rub. lighting all your candles up like you're having a, some sort of <laughs> romantic bath. <laughs> hey, I love those baths. Don't, don't <laughs> knock one of them baths. Hello. Hi. I'm Holly. And I'm Amy. You're listening to My Dignity. God, I sound ill. <laughs> I sound gross. Oh, well. So, oh, by the way, that voice you heard was my sister's. She rang yeah. me and she was like, you put a trailer at the start and you didn't introduce the trailer, so I thought I was on the wrong podcast, so. <laughs> I just got an email, sorry. <laughs> Both our phones went off at the same time then, because mine just got off as well. Ooh. It's cute. I have an offer for work. I'm applying to work at Lush. They, I sent them my CV oh. and they sent me this thing. Yeah, that'd be well cool. That'd be a well yeah. good job. I'd lo- literally love it. It would be Lush. <laughs> 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 and that, ladies and gentlemen, is why me and Amy get along. <laughs> Do you we just laugh at each college? other. We were in school and we like, kept doing puns for everything. Yeah. In maths. Do you remember? Yeah, everyone hated us so much. Yeah. Like so much. Oh my god, I was dying that I messaged that chat yesterday. <laughs> I was at Pre's and everyone was like, haha, okay, message an old group chat. And Dan was scrolling through my phone and like clicked on that one. And then I went on the shared photos because I was like, oh, do you ever look at shared photos and found that? And he was like, go on, send it, send it, send it. So I was like, all right, I will. And he sent it. <laughs> oh my god, it was such a bad group chat to choose. Group chat full of them friends that you had in college that actually you realise, oh. I don't have to impress people anymore. I don't have to be someone I'm not to yeah. be around people. I was dying when someone messaged it this morning saying, oh, whose party was this? And someone was like, oh, it was yours. And he was like, oh, I, oh, I was wondering why the invite list was so good. And I was like, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know I'm on it, but like, no one else is good. Yeah. Mine is like four exactly of us. Like... Do you remember when we all revolted and left that group chat? of toxic as fuck people (laughs) (laughs) right so one of the most story this is a good story so in college there's like a group of girls the college here is like high school end of high school yeah um so we were like 17 18 and (laughs) um there's like a group of girls and we all had this big group chat with like how many there must be like 20 people in there nah there was only like 15 maybe it was like quite a it was like a it was an elite you have group to, chat. Yeah, you have to reach this certain level of status yeah. to be added to it. And, like, there was a group, there was a particular group of girls in it that, like, ran it, in air quotes. <sighs> and, like, they would, like, remove you and add you and, like, they'd think it's a joke and stuff and then all of us would be kind of left, like, guessing where we're at and it, all that kind of thing. It just wasn't, it was a very toxic environment. And then yeah. we went to uni, no one messaged in it for ages, we went to uni, and I was like, you know what? I don't have to fucking do this anymore. Like, I shouldn't... And I felt like, 
you know, like when you're in school and you're being ignored by like the popular girls, and you're like, want to like, I literally felt like that, and I was like, you know what? I don't have to do this anymore. Like, who the fuck are you all? Why am I trying to pretend to be something I'm yeah. not? And then I just left the chat, and like every one of the girls in that chat messaged me like, oh, why did you leave? What's wrong? And I was just like, you're bullied. CBA, like. And then, like, two months later, you message that in it, and then you're like, oh, I didn't even know you weren't in it anymore. And then I'm like, yeah, I left. And then yeah. you're all like, oh, let's all revolt and all leave. So everyone left. When you realise that people's behaviour are fucking toxic, and as an adult, you can remove yourself from the situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Life lesson for today's podcast, don't just fucking remove yourself. Yeah. If you're in a group chat and you don't want to be there, don't mute it. Just fucking leave. Just leave the chat. Who yeah. cares? Yeah. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? They're going to say, why'd you leave the chat? And you've got to be like... CBA to be gestures. Yeah. I don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> and you can say that as an adult with no repercussions, pretty much, because what they're going to do be like, yeah. oh, okay. Oh, I'm so offended. I'm going to tell my mum. <laughs> tell your mum. I don't care. Your mum doesn't scare me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a positive thing to start on. Yeah, I feel like we're going to cut like 90% of what we've just said as well. Yeah. I mean, they're not listening to this, are they? Oh, so funny. <laughs> is there any thing we need to talk about? Any pod mods? I don't think there is, you know. I think we did an alright job in the last one. Funnily enough. Yeah. What even right. was the last episode? <laughs> I'm like. You did Colin. Colin. Island, yeah, and I did yeah. Breck. Um. Did we just start? I feel like we always have we, more uh, to say. I know. We've just kind of gone on a rant about people we went to school with. <laughs> At least it's not about DV again. Oh. Um, no, I, I don't have anything else to say. Okay, should we go? Should we go? You're first this week. Okay, mine's a bit different this week. I'm going to start off with some statistics Yeah. before we start mine this week. So, have you been seeing on the news about knife crime around London and in the UK this year? Mm-hmm. Because it's There's fucking... loads of like, movements against it, isn't there? Yeah, it's so bad. So, my actual murder isn't from this year that the statistics are from. Okay. But I just wanted to, like, talk about it because it's crazy. Okay. So from March, when when they do the statistical year, they do it from March to March. So in March 2018 to 2019, there's been 43,516 knife crime offences in the UK. Okay. Which is a lot. Yeah. I feel. That is a lot. Think how many days there is in a year. So, from March this year? March 2018 to March 2019. There That's was 43,516 knife crime offences in the UK. How many so... is that a day? That's 119.2 a day. a day. And the UK is... And take away Christmas as well. Yeah. It's not that big, really, is it? England. Okay. No, no, no. Um, From March 2017 to March 2018, there was 285 killings using knives um and this is the highest figure since 1946 that's a lot so, yeah and 1946 and is like coming out of wartime as well i know and like we're not we why like oh, i don't know i just don't know why it's gotten so bad at the moment and like there's a bbc news article where you can see the first 100 deaths from knife crime in london this year and it met it by like april Fuck. in 2019 yeah so it's getting really bad in the UK yeah. at the moment. I don't know why everyone's stabbing everyone. But apparently... And then some domestic abuse facts, because a lot of domestic abuse cases are knife crime related, just because it's, like, 
not yeah. easy to grab a knife, but do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're household, like, things. Yeah, so, the household items, they're not, like, regulated. Like no, guns are, no. Like, guns are, like, obviously, if you live in America, you know about all gun shit going yeah. on. But guns are really regulated here. Like, you only have them for... If you're a farmer. <laughs> yeah, or, like, you've got, like, to have a shooting licence that you've got to, like, renew every year. Yeah, and you can't and, like, buy you're not guns to anywhere. Keep it all together, you can't leave them just out in a drawer. You have yeah. to like lock them away and then lock the ammunition to another part of the house and like all of that. So from March twenty seventeen to March twenty eighteen, there's an estimated two million adults from ages sixteen to fifty nine who've experienced domestic abuse last year. This is one point three million women and six hundred ninety five thousand men. This same year, the police recorded. 600,000 abuse-related crimes, and this was a 23% rise from the year before. So, from this, the police made only 225,000 arrests, so this equates to about 38 out of every 100 crimes reported there is an arrest from. 38? Yeah. That seems too low. I know. That's almost like a one in four. So today I'm going to be doing the murder of Terry Ann Jones or Tan, known by her friends. So Terry Ann Jones or Tan, known by her friends and family, um, was a mother to two children. I'm not going to name them. And she was also a sister and an aunt. So she had like a nice family, big family. Um, her family described her as patient and kind with a great sense of humour and she had so much to live for and so much she wanted to do. So, Terry Ann Jones had been, was 33 years old and had been in a relationship with a man called John Lewis who was 55 for around eight months before her death on January 5th, 2015. So, on the night of January 5th, Terry was at home in Kimler, Neathport Talbot in Wales, like South Wales when her ex-boyfriend John came round, so they were already split up by this point, and according to him, he came over just to collect some clothes. Okay, so at some point during the evening, the two start arguing. So John claims that Terry Ann attacked him, and in self-defence, he grabbed a knife that she was holding and tried to get it off her, and because of this, he accidentally ended up stabbing her and killing her whilst trying to get away from her. So, I don't want to be, like, gruesome, but I am going to go through her injuries, because I think it tells you the story. So, obviously, John's saying this is self-defence, and he only grabbed the knife and stabbed her with it because she was trying to stab him with it. Terry Ann was found in a pool of her own blood with 26 sharp force injuries. This included a slash across her face, 13 neck wounds, two chest wounds, three stab wounds to her collarbone. One of these chest wounds was a three inch deep stab wound through her heart, directly through her heart. Wait, so how many stabbing in total? How many, like, in 26. And it was And a slash across the face. And I just feel like when you overkill and attack their face, it's because you are angry and you hate them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And he had no injuries. So like, oh, so there was no defensive injuries or anything. No, nothing. They weren't if having a fight. She came at him with a knife. Then he'd have defensive injuries as well. Yeah. So, John claims that after this, he left the house and. Obviously, he'd only stabbed her once in self-defense, 
and he says that when when he left she said to him i'm sorry i love you which is just like why even add that detail yeah because okay so he states that after he left the house he wanders around in a daze before walking to do street police station and ringing the police because there's no one in there so he basically rings the police and there's a video of his 999 call on the south wales police facebook page because they uploaded it afterwards just uh-huh. to be like this guy's so cold so cc pardon how long is it not very long I'm going to read you it out anyway. Okay, cool. I'll basically. Yeah. So. I just thought I'd ask. Yeah. After he states that he's been wandering around in a daze and didn't know what to do and ends up phoning the police at the police station because there's no one in there, so he ends up ringing them to be like, oh, I came to admit it. By the way, I'm at the police station. Yeah. <laughs> but, however, CCTV shows something completely different. So, when the police found um, Terry Ann's body... There was blood inside her bag and inside her purse that was lying next to the body where John had gone in and stolen her money. He then changed out of his bloody clothes, put them into a large bin bag and put them into another large waste bin across the street from their house. He then walks to the nearest, it's called Schooners, a near a pub, a local pub, where there's CCTV footage from behind the bar of him really calmly using her money to order a drink. So then See, it's this after. is what annoys me as well. Like, this is, like, idiot killers. You know what I, I know. mean? I know, I know. Like, if you're going to plead self-defence, at least do it properly. Like, mm. you've got to be all shaken up. You don't go for a drink afterwards. Well, I, he, he pretends that he's dazed and wandering around, but there's clear CCTV footage of him walking into his local pub and ordering a drink with the money he stole out of her purse yeah. after she's lying there. You're not dazed when you After being like stabbed 26 times. So it is after this that he walks over to the police station where he like knocks on the door and stuff and when no one answers because obviously police stations in England a lot of them are just there and they're not occupied during the night or during the day very much like I know there was one in our old town which didn't have any police in it. Yeah. Well, not very often, but there sometimes no. were. Yeah. So in the 999 it's so matter of fact. So he calls them and obviously I, obviously it's not his accent but the welsh accent just adds to it it's so odd to hear him being so matter of fact about it so he calls yeah. up and he's like hello yeah i've killed somebody and then she's trying to talk being like sorry sir what what and he's like yeah my girlfriend i've killed my girlfriend and then she's asking like where is she are you okay are you with her what's going on and he's like oh no i'm at the police station she went to stab me i stabbed her i've come to admit it and then she's like, well, where is she? Where is she? And he really calmly lists off the address that she's at. And um, she's like, well, do you know what condition she's in? Is she okay? Is she breathing? He goes, no, she's dead. No, she's dead. He gets just say, oh, no, no, don't worry. She's dead. Like, he's telling them just like, because he knows, obviously, he's seen the state that her body was in. Yeah. He's being so... I don't... Oh. He's... He's, just he's saying, no, so she's dead. No, she's dead. yeah. He's so just blunt and matter of fact. He's like, no, she's dead. Like it's a normal day in the office. Like it's crazy. So, um, in the end of the nine 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 call, the uh, policeman arrives and he passes over to the woman and she's like, hi. Do you realize? 
the woman on the end of the 999 call to the policeman's like hi do you realize what he's saying like he's killed his girlfriend she's at this house like at this address like can you go find something and he's like okay yeah send more officers whatever so obviously he's then arrested and um goes to trial but he pleads not guilty as of self-defense so the court hear about her wounds and immediately reject the false the self-defense claim they also hear about a previous incident where lewis had strangled a previous partner until she turned blue Um, history man it catches up with you i know right um Lewis had also been threatening to kill Terry Ann and her both her children, who were both really young, um, in the weeks leading up to the event after they'd split up, saying that he was going to shoot and um, shoot them or blow the house up with them inside. Okay. So the jury's like, No, you're a fucking prick and convict yeah. him to life in prison with a minimum of nineteen years. Yeah. Yeah. So it's well, actually nineteen years isn't enough, but yeah, like, yeah so at least they were like, No. He he's he was fifty five when he well fifty six when he was um, sentenced so oh, he would okay. be like I don't know seventy five yeah um police officers describe her family as having to like how heartbreaking it is for them having to listen to him in court every day during the trial for them to have to relive the like case every day and um yeah. her family have now like called for more domestic abuse victims to speak out to help other future deaths and they're like basically said we don't want her death to she we don't want her to die in vain because there's so much she wanted to do and like so many people she wanted to help so they're trying to raise awareness at the moment for it and um after they also um put in a complaint to the south wales police and how they handled domestic abuse cases so um yeah, there's now an investigation that's been launched into um, basically looking at abuse leading up to her, the murder of her and how it can like be linked to like, other cases. Yeah, and how it can be like stopped before it happened. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That'd be interesting to follow. I know. So keep people updated on that because the only thing I can really find is like a really short article on the actual independent office for police conduct website about it yeah but yeah and obviously i just wanted to shout out anyone who was like a victim of domestic abuse to go and talk to people about it there's like women's helplines and men's helplines you can call for free like I'll, i'll link loads of um there's loads of charities and email addresses and numbers that i'll put in the instagram post or the twitter for people to go and talk about it but it's just a really sad one yeah and i feel like cases like every day like all the time yeah like cases like this often aren't yeah heard about just because it's like another yeah but i just think that much overkill like when someone's so angry at someone else for no reason pisses me off yeah and like it's like these kind of crimes that are like so violent and stuff and you're just like yeah Where's this come from? Yeah. How could he hate her that much? Yeah. Because by all accounts, she was a really, really lovely person. And, like, that's the worst bit as well. Like, someone she was with, it was someone she trusted. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like she's trying to break... Well, they weren't together anyway. So it's like trying to escape that cycle of abuse. 
Yeah. Because he was like, oh, yeah, I was only coming round to pick up my stuff. Do you know what I mean? We've all had the boyfriend that was like, I'm coming round to pick up my stuff. And you say, no, I'll bring it in for you. Yeah. Yeah, don't let... So, I am doing Jill Dando. I don't know this one. You don't know this one? This is the good one. This is the good one. Okay. Right. Jill Dando was born on the 9th of November 1961 and was a successful British journalist, TV presenter and newsreader. So, some background, like she was born at Ashcombe House Maternity Home in Western Supermare uh, to Jack Dando and Winifred Dando. She had one brother who was born in 1952 who also also went into media working as a journalist for BBC Radio Bristol. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Her first job was a trainee reporter for the local weekly newspaper, The Western Mercury, where both her dad and her brother had worked. After five years here, she started to work for the BBC as a newsreader for the BBC Radio Devon in 1985. In the same year, she transferred to BBC Southwest, where she presented a magazine programme, Spotlight. Southwest. Oh, shout mm-hmm. out. So, in 1987, she worked for Television Southwest, then BBC Spotlight in Plymouth. This is kind of like a timeline of where she's worked, because it gets her yeah. to where she was. Yeah. Um, in early 1988, Dando moved from regional to national television in London to present BBC television news, more specifically the short like one-hour bulletins that aired on BBC One and BBC Two. Oh. Um, from 1986 until the mid-1990s. She then went on to present multiple BBC programmes such as Breakfast Time, Breakfast News, the BBC One O'Clock News, the Six O'Clock News, the Travel Programme Holiday, and then she went on to um, the Crime Appeal series, Crime Watch. Oh, my God. These are the shows yeah. that everyone watches their whole lives. Do you know what yeah. I mean? You watch that with your parents when you're a kid. My parents used to always like want to finish dinner in time to watch the Six O'Clock News. And, like, Spotlight and stuff like that was yeah. our news. For you wait Southwest. for that after the news is finished for the yeah. little Spotlight bit that's, like, massive cues on the A30. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then she, um, at the time of her death, she was among those with the highest profiles of the, the highest profile. Did you hear that? What was it? A dog. Yeah. They're fighting with each other. Um, at the time of her death, she was among those with the highest profile of the BBC on-screen staff and had been the 1997's BBC Personality of the Year. Oh, that's yeah. so cute. So some personal life. is from 1989 to 1996, Jill dated BBC executive Bob Wheaton. Um, in December of 1997, she met gynaecologist Alan Farthing on a blind date that was set up by a friend. A couple of months, he was separated from his wife at the time, and mm. then after, a couple of months after his divorce was finalised, they announced their engagement on the 31st of January 1999, um, and they were Aww. set to be married on the 25th of December 1999. So, on the morning of... The 26th of April, 1999, 37-year-old Jill left Farthing's home in Chewick. Mm-hmm. She returned home alone by car to the house she owned in Fulham. She lived in the house, um, but was in the process of selling the property, so she didn't really go like go there very often. Yeah. Um, she reached her front door at around 11.30am, and she was shot once in the head. Her body was discovered about 15 minutes later by her neighbour, Helen Doble. Police were called at 11.47am and Dando was taken to nearby Charing Cross Hospital 
where she was declared dead on arrival at one one o three. Um. So this is like an extract from the Guardian, um, of like what they think happened. So. Uh, Bob Woffinden wrote. As Dando was about to get her, put her keys in the lock to open the front door of her home in Fulham, she was grabbed from behind. With his right arm, the assailant held her and forced her to the ground so that her face was almost touching the tile step of the porch. Then, with his left hand, he fired a single shot into her left temple, killing her instantly. The bullet entered her head just above her ear, parallel to the ground, and came out of the right side of her head. So. Classic execution. Forensic study indicated that Dando had been shot by a bullet from a 9mm calibre semi-automatic pistol with the gun pressed against her head at the moment of the shot. Um, her next door neighbour heard her like a surprised cry from Dando but it was like it sounded like someone that was greeting like an old friend and surprised they were there. Oh. Um, not like a, someone being killed. Mm. And he didn't hear a gunshot either. Um... Hughes looked out his front window and while realising while not realising what happened, he made the only certain sight of the killer, a six foot tall, white age, white man aged around forty, walking away from Dando's house. So after the murder there was like media was obviously everywhere. She was like BBC personality of the year, she was this big T V personality, so they were all yeah. like covering the story very closely. Um so she was known to millions, but there was a huge speculation regarding the motive for her murder. Within six months, the murder investigation team at the Metropolitan, Metropolitan Police had spoken to more than 2,500 people, taken more than a 1,000 statements. With little progress after a year, the police concentrated their attention on Barry George, who lived half a mile from Dando's house. He had a history of stalking women, sexual offences, and other antisocial and attention-seeking behaviour. Mm. Um, he was put under surveillance and was arrested on the 25th of May 2000 and charged with, with her murder on the 28th of May. So he was tried at the Old Bailey and convicted on the 2nd of July 2001 and was sentenced to life imprisonment. Um, however, a lot of people were very concerned about this, like they, they didn't think he'd done it. Yeah. Um, two appeals were unsuccessful, but after discredited forensic evidence was excluded from the prosecution's case, George's third appeal succeeded in November 2011. The original conviction was quashed, and a second trial lasting in eight weeks ended in George's acquittal on the 1st of August 2008. So, after his acquittal, some newspaper articles published art some newspapers published articles which appeared to suggest that he was guilty of the murder and other like offences. Um, but he got like damages from this because obviously it's slander. Yeah. So, these are there's basically a lot of conspiracy theories surrounding how she died. It's still unsolved. Oh my god. So, I don't think that this Barry George guy did it. Yeah, I don't it's just know. It's too, it's too um, organised. Yeah. And he's very clearly not. So, there was theories. These are lines of inquiry, so these are all like theories that the police mm. had. Um, they thought that either a jealous ex-boyfriend or an unknown lover had killed her, but that was ruled out because they interviewed yeah. all of Dando's friends and acquaintances and checked all her phone calls and everything and there was no one there. 
Mm. Um, there was a belief that somebody had hired an assassin to murder Dando as revenge for their being convicted as a result of evidence garnered by Crime Watch viewers. That's what I was thinking. After exhaustive inquiries, this was ruled out. Oh, really? There were various theories related to Bosnian Serb or Yugoslav groups in retaliation for NATO actions against media outlets and her appeals for aid during the Yugoslav wars. Mm. Right? Which gets complicated, so I'll go into that one in a minute. Um, A possibility that a deranged fan may have killed Dando after she rejected his approaches. Um, Her brother apparently informed detectives that she had been concerned by someone pestering her. But, again, that was ruled out, and I think that's because it's too sophisticated. Yeah, the the fact that there was no gunshot heard kind of implies there was a silencer on it. So, um, they thought that it was potentially a professional professional rival or business partner, Um, but this is the one that's the most interesting. In 2014... A claim was made that Dando had investigated a paedophile ring at the BBC. So there's rumours that she uncovered Jimmy Savile. Oh my god. Um, She handed in a dossier containing all of her findings to a BBC management, purportedly like promoting the revenge attack that happened. Mm. Uh, but the BBC, said, BBC has said it, seen, it has seen no evidence to support the claim. They would do, wouldn't they? They, saw, the they didn't know that they were paedophiles. Didn't know in air quotation marks. Yeah. <sighs> so, this is what. That's what I think happened, mm. basically. Allegedly, this is all alleged. This is my opinion. Yeah. This is nothing. I can't prove anything, obviously. But that's basically what I think happened. So, mm. um. It's still unsolved. No one knows what happened. They can't. No one can prove anything allegedly. Um, but a memorial garden was designed and realised by the. Sorry, a memorial garden was designed and like put up by the BBC Television Ground Force team. Um, it's located in Grove Park in Western Supermare, and it was opened on the second of August two thousand and one. The BBC set up a bursary award in Dando's memory, which enables one student a year to study broadcast journalism at Falmouth University. Oh. Yeah. Um, and then um, on the 2nd of April 2019, three weeks before the death, 20th anniversary of her death, the BBC broadcast a documentary concerning the case titled The Murder of Jill Dando. Um, so it kind of showed like the investigations, the wrongful prosecution, and mm. like the continued like what's continuing to happen. Um, but not a lot is happening. Um, it was watched by four million people on the night of the broadcast, and the general consensus among critics was the film was sensitive and powerful, but lacked answers. Yeah. So that's kind of like an unsatisfying answer to it. Yeah. But the the basically like cold case reviews by police after two thousand and eight have said that she was killed by a professional assassin. And like um, pr- pressing the gun against her head would have acted as a suppressor or like a silencer. Mm. And that's why they did it. Um, 
and it would have prevented the killer from being splattered with, like, got blood splatter on him. Yeah. So, organised. Yeah. Hmm. It was extremely organised. So, the... It's just an interesting one because it's prevalent today. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that she potentially uncovered the paedophile ring and all of the rumours with Jimmy Savile and everything. I've heard People so People weren't much. quiet about it. Not everyone was quiet about it. There must have been at least one person reporting it before he died. You know what I mean? Yeah. So and she might have uncovered it. I, I'm pretty sure I've heard about someone else kind of uncovering it and being like hushed up yeah and that's what happens people get hushed up when there's money involved and clearly she was one of those people that was like no i'm gonna go i'm gonna like her job was crime watch i doubt she was very yeah she was sat there and saying oh yeah that's fine just pay me off and it'll be fine yeah so it's very sad case i think yeah but I've never heard of that. One. Yeah. I mean, at least there's like a couple positive things from it, but I feel like that's just the BBC covering their ass. Yes. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah. When you've got money, that's all you need, isn't it? Because yeah. you can just buy your way out of everything. That's basically what they did. Yeah. I, mean, I might watch that documentary. Yeah, I want to watch it too. I feel like I'd get frustrated though. Yeah, same, but it'd be. I think it'd just be interesting to watch to see what they have to say on it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What else? There's a fact it? that it's made by the BBC, though. <laughs> yeah, I know, that's what I thought. I was like, surely you get, like, a different... But then, like, allegedly, there's nothing that says that they were involved with anything. Mm, yeah, true. I guess. But, yeah. So we've got an unsatisfying case and a depressing as fuck case this week. Yeah. Which is which, though? <laughs> That's the real question. Yeah. Well, at least my guy got bare time in. Yeah. Jail. He's still there for like twenty more years. No, no, fifteen more years. That's a good thing. Yeah, let's that just hope is. he dies in jail of some sort See, of so, that what annoys cancer. me about this one is... What annoys me about unsolved cases why I don't really like doing them that much is because someone's got away with it. Yeah. Somebody has got away with this. And it's just like, I don't... You can see... It's like I finished um, The Golden State Killer. The, oh, yeah, I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Yeah, so I finished that and, like, it's exactly that. Like, they made a, a method of metaphor in that and they were saying that it's like the killer was like staring at them through a half closed door yeah and it's like that's exactly what it's like because yeah someone knows out there that they've done that and they've got away with it so frustrating yeah i that letter her letter at the end of that book i can't imagine reading that book and not having the bit at the end that that from her or imagine reading it and him not being caught yet I know. I was kind of hoping that they did, they would put, like, a bit on the end of, like, how they caught him, you know what I mean? Yeah, I I wanted a bit that was, like, 
and this is what his life was like. I wanted, because I feel like the whole book is her trying to explore who he could have been. Do you know what I mean? Like none of them are quite on the mark. Yeah. Should we end the podcast? Okay, we're going to do a good thing that happened? Um, yeah, what good things have happened? I do want to recommend that TV show that I was talking about yesterday, though. Okay, so I have any anyone who's a fan of Mindhunter, go and watch Manhunt Unabomber on Netflix. It's on Netflix now. I don't know how long it's been on Netflix for, but it, it's probably not originally from Netflix because there's like almost bits where I've there should have been it on an there for a while. Break. Yeah, it is so good. I don't know why I've never watched it before, but it's basically following this one FBI profiler through when he gets joined on to the task force to find him and he basically brings about forensic linguistics it's the first time they ever used that because that's how they got the search warrant to search his cabin oh that's cool I yeah know that. no it is really cool and it basically follows him and how he's like being, being knocked down and every turn kind of like in mind hunter you know and then yeah. finally someone believes in him enough to sign a search warrant to go in there and then they catch him oh and then it follows it follows all the way through from this profiler joining it to his interviews with him and all the way till his sentencing yeah it's really good that's good i'll have to watch that that'll be my next thing but then big mouth season three came out today what's that you'll like it it's like you know like when you want shit to put on in the background like it's a good tv show it's john mulaney i really really like him as a comedian And it's about, like, kids going through puberty and they have, like, hormone monsters. And it's absolutely hilarious. It's not for children, though. It's a cartoon. It's not for children. (laughs) Okay. Um, Oh, I think I've seen that. It's really good. As you heard at the start of the episode, my sister did not enjoy the trailer at the start (laughs) of our last episode because we didn't introduce it properly and she didn't know what she was listening to. So... Our friends over in the US, Paige and Natalie, are (laughs) hosting the murder diaries podcast and it's kind of like they do a story each week they both do a murder they tell each other about it and a missing person they're both hilarious they're both really good to listen to their instagram account is so like aesthetically pleasing do you know what i mean all the artwork i thought this as well yeah it looks so good but yeah they're really good they're just at they're just um at the murder diaries pod Pod. i think yeah murder diaries pod on instagram and then the Murder Diaries on Spotify, and yeah, definitely go check them out. They're on everything, I think. You can go listen to them on anything. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just, I just, I'm a Spotify user. That's my. Yeah. Me too. That's my thing. That's why we've been so lax with putting it on Apple Podcasts because we don't use it. So it's yeah. kind of like, oh, we forgot, we forgot to do it, and then now we're in the process of figuring it out. So hopefully, we will be there soon. Someone call me and tell me how to do it, though, please. Yeah, hit us up if you've got any advice, please, because we're very, we're extremely stressed about it. <laughs> so here's the trailer from the Murder Diaries. Um, again. And check them. Yeah, again with a proper introduction. And yeah. go and check them out. Do you like podcasts? I do, and we know you do too, because you're listening to one right now. I'm Paige. I'm Natalie, and we're the hosts of the Murder Diaries. Give us a listen every Tuesday where we cover the stories of missing persons. And on Thursdays, we share two true crime stories. Anywhere you listen to podcasts or check us out on Instagram at the Murder Diaries Pod.
And until then, better safe than dead. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for yeah. all your support. 100%. And... It's been really amazing. Especially yeah. over the past like couple of weeks. Where we've kind of been a bit quiet So because we've been getting back into the swing of uni and stuff and then to Moving come back in into stuff. it. Yeah. With, and everyone's still there like when's the next episode like you're doing great and yeah. it's just like it's just really nice it's a good community that this is yeah yeah, yeah. so thank you follow us on spotify and yeah please um, follow us Instagram. on spotify we have 51 51 followers on spotify now i was really happy it was 49 for ages yeah so now we have two more so go follow Thanks, us on guys. spotify yeah. and subscribe on youtube and um yeah okay well <laughs> thank you everyone for listening go and follow us yeah thank you yeah we've said all this you, yeah you know. we'll just we'll leave yeah <laughs> we'll just go now <laughs> okay uh, on that note <laughs> bye everyone Goodbye. thanks for listening